Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast that deals with all of the things for therapists that aren't what we do to our clients. And today we are talking about one of those things that everybody knows that we should do. We tend to all do it, but most of us don't really get into the whys and the hows of things work. We're joined by Rachel Warner. She's the Director of Operations over at CPH Insurance. And today is all about malpractice insurance and all of the things where if we need it once, it's great. And if we don't have it in place when we need it, it's probably the worst thing that could ever happen to us. So (laughs) thank you very much for joining us, Rachel, and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you here. The first question we ask all of our guests is, who are you and what are you putting out into the world? Yeah, so we're CPH and Associates. We have been in the industry for over 20 years, and we specialize in professional liability insurance for mental and allied health counselors. We are a leading provider of insurance. We are technology-focused, so we can uniquely meet the needs of therapists quickly. We understand the sensitive nature of it. We're a small company. We can serve a large customer base in a way that a lot of larger companies can't. We really focus in on customer service, and that's really the pillar of who we are. One of the things that we like to start our episodes with is there's been people who've made mistakes before and helping our audience not have to make those same mistakes. But What do a lot of therapists get wrong about liability insurance and malpractice insurance? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, you need it. Um, (laughs) You always need it. Very simple and direct. (laughs) I think that there are, you know, most people know that oftentimes to be paneled with insurance companies, they require that or employers require that or if you're contracting with an agency. But sometimes people don't realize that they need it, especially if they have their own private practice. You know, one thing that we we always make sure people know is that it's important to start, you know, in your student practicum, get insurance and keep it continuously throughout your practice. Graduation, 
internship, while you're provisionally licensed, while you're doing your hours, um, even if you become a W-2 employee at an agency, a lot of people think that they don't need their own independent insurance if it's being provided by the company, um, which we always recommend that you do still have your own separate liability insurance. That way you're not relying solely on this other company's insurance. You don't know what claims are arising within that company, what's eating away at the limits of coverage in that policy. It's always good to have your own. You, how, can you help our, our audience understand? Because <laughs> yeah. you're coming from the insurance company. Of course, you're going to say buy insurance. So yeah. can, can you help our audience understand a little bit more of how that individual policy still protects them? So that way, it's it's not just relying on their agency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the agency's policy will be primary for you. But let's say, heaven forbid, you know, that company has a policy that you're sharing the limits with the other staff in the company. And let's say that policy has board complaint defense coverage in the amount of 35000 And let's say you've had a few other employees at this company have board complaints and they've eaten through that limit. And then let's say you have a board complaint. There may not be any coverage left on that policy. So your personal, you know, your separate personal liability will kind of be a secondary coverage for you to tap into should you need to. Well, I also heard when I was at an agency that there was a lot of concern that if something happened and you got a board complaint and the agency fired you over that complaint, or if the agency kind of, you know, this is where the whole toxic work environment kind of plays in that, that the agency may choose not to defend you and you're kind of stuck on your own. Is that, is there any truth to that? Cause that was a myth that I, I wanted to actually <laughs> sort out. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that something like that can be very circumstantial However, in and of itself, the way that a policy works is that, at least an occurrence-based policy, we can talk later about the different kinds of policies that there are, but with an occurrence-based policy, as long as you have coverage in place at the time you're rendering services, the coverage applies. So if an employer fires you, in a sense, denies you access to the policy that you were insured under, I'm not sure they can do that. Um, I don't, I can't (laughs) speak. I mean, I think there's some employment practice issues involved in that specific scenario. But even if you were fired, or even if, let's say you leave a position, and maybe five years later, a claim arises from a time you were insured under that policy, and it was for a client that you saw during that time you were insured, the coverage still applies. So there's some relief there, but but the point that you made I hadn't heard, which is if the policy has kind of gone through its limits, you still may be stuck. And so really having your own coverage, even though you should be covered by your agency, is the, mm-hmm. the, the safest thing that you can do. It is. And also, you know, something that we we see a lot is people letting their policies lapse, you know, and then, you know, having a gap in coverage, applying for policies later. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes people forget to renew 
or they stop working for a time or, you know, various reasons, we always recommend keeping continuous coverage. Don't let, don't let those gaps in coverage happen. I can't tell you how often we see claims come through and it just so happens that maybe they were providing services um, they maybe didn't realize their policy had lapsed or they didn't think they needed it. And the dates of treatment fall in that window of time that they were insured. And it all goes back to those dates of treatment. So just because you have a, a policy in place today, if it was for, you know, incident or a, a patient from a year ago, and maybe you had a, a gap in coverage at that time, there wouldn't be coverage. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. So there's the gaps, but there's also the importance of continuous coverage. Why is it not just kind of the ability to make sure you're always covered, but what are other benefits of continuous coverage? You know, I, we hear a lot from people going through the credentialing process, whether that's with CAQH or with insurance panels. And you typically have to upload, you know, your proof of coverage, provide your proof of coverage. Sometimes when you have numerous different policy numbers, because you've lapsed and bought a new one, lapsed and bought a new one, that can cause just administratively some complication and frustration for the provider themselves. Sometimes it'll be denied by CAQH or if they, you know, slightly change their name in between policies or something like that. It just, I think, reflects better on the provider and it helps them administratively to keep up with that credentialing if they've had one policy in place over the years. We're talking about, you know, some of these incidents that, that might come up or some of these complaints. What are some of the common claims or concerns that uh, therapists might be using their malpractice liability insurance for? You know, I'd say the most common, and I won't call it a claim, let's call it incident or a incident, is people having subpoenas, depositions, for records, which those aren't necessary claims per se, but there's something that you typically would have coverage for under a liability policy. So um, oftentimes that's something that people don't know when they've been subpoenaed or they've been deposed. You can be assigned an attorney under your policy, and there's typically a sublimit of coverage under the policy to give you an attorney um, to help you with responding to that subpoena or deposition in a way that helps you avoid liability. So it's definitely in your best interest to 
take advantage of that coverage. Sometimes people just don't realize they have that. I was just going to say, I've actually used that. I, yeah. I, I was able to get some feedback because there was a, there was a records request that was a little bit interesting. There was stuff in the mm-hmm. record that I did not think my client wanted to release. And, and I was yeah. able to have the conversation about how do I protect myself? How do I even document my conversations with the attorney? Mm-hmm. I mean, the attorney, uh, and I, I have CPH, so that was who yeah. I use, but like I was able yeah. to, to have that conversation and it's such a relief to be able to have that, that available to you. Yeah. That's a huge concern for people. In terms of actual complaints, uh, I can kind of give you a few examples. Some of the top board complaints that we see are lawsuits, sometimes both occurring around the same scenario, are practicing outside the scope of licensure, negligent supervision. Um, so this is you know, something that we might see in a, a group, in a company, where you know I can think of an example where we had owner, we had employee, employee had an ongoing sexual relationship with a client, the spouse of that client came back and filed a born complaint and a lawsuit naming both the employer, the owner of the company, the employee themselves, and the company name as a legal entity, which can be sued. And the allegation was negligent supervision. And the way that that kind of played out was there was, you know, obviously the board complaint coverage kicked in, um, which the owner could tap into, as well as the lawsuit coverage for damages. The employee, however, because they admitted the sexual relationship, did not have any coverage under that policy. But the employer and the company name were covered, you know, kind of vicariously for that employee's actions. And I think there was a settlement of around 100K for that that particular claim. We also see, you know, on that note, uh, boundary and dual relationship issues is pretty common. Various issues revolving around um, custody conflicts. This is something that comes up a lot. I can think of one where we had, you know, a a non-custodial parent of a minor client that wasn't happy with the recommendation of the therapist and filed a board complaint alleging, you know, unprofessional conduct, failure to disclose information. Um, And that's a situation too, where the the board complaint coverage would kick in. That particular scenario ended up being dismissed that the therapist didn't have any wrongdoing, but that is a common complaint that we see. One of the things that I hear a lot uh, from community, from sitting on ethics boards and stuff, is those situations that you just described, where there is a complaint and the therapist has found no wrongdoing or it's a meritless claim. There's always this fear of, okay, now I have to check that ominous box on my application of, have you ever had a board or an ethics committee investigation into you? How does how does a malpractice insurance company look at those situations and does that affect premiums going forward? Specifically, if there was a board complaint that was dismissed, you know, with no, you know, it was unfounded, you really don't have anything to worry about with that. If you're applying for the first time with a malpractice insurance agency, 
they'll ask that question, you know, have you had any board complaints? You would answer yes to that. But typically, when you provide a copy of that dismissal letter, which that's what we would request, it's fine. It doesn't impact your rate. It doesn't, you know, go against you per se. And then looking to the future every year when you renew your policy, um, the application question is probably, the renewal question is probably revised to say in the last 12 months, have you encountered a board complaint or a lawsuit or anything? So that you're not having to report that year after year after year, as long as you've reported it initially and it was dismissed. You were telling us before we got on, you've been with CPH for like 10 years. So this is mm-hmm. this is something that you've been at for a long time. Do you find that there's more founded complaints or unfounded complaints that people are using their insurance for? I think, and obviously this is this is very uh, a general answer. I would say usually they're unfounded, but it's very case by case. You know, it depends on a lot of of circumstantial stuff. But yeah, I mean, often we're seeing these be dismissed. So there's a lot of people who are using their liability insurance to protect them from the types of things where there's an upset client that that you know, like what Kurt was talking about, that the not founded. Mm-hmm. Cases. And that, that's a huge benefit. So liability insurance is not just for folks who are trying to skirt the law. Like this is for the rest no. of us who are yeah, because, just trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. Even if you have that unfounded board complaint, you know, you're still going to have some defense costs paid out on that. So that one I talked to pre- about previously with the non-custodial parent, um, there was still about seven grand paid out in defense. So that attorney is helping you respond to the board with that investigation. Um, so you're still going to accumulate some costs there, even if it's unfounded. I want to step out because I know CPH and I'm a CPH customer as well, that you offer other kinds of insurance as well. And kind of looking for those people who are the the private practice, the group owners, what other yeah. kinds of insurance do you recommend that practitioners get? Yeah, there's a few things to consider there. One thing that we always want to make sure people are aware of is that if you are in private practice and you do have an LLC or a PLLC or a corporation of some kind established, you want to insure that entity. And that's a big question that we get where people will say, well, it's just me. That's that's true. However, you can be sued and that corporate name can be sued. So you want to insure both. Even if you're the only employee, quote unquote, of that LLC, you should insure both. Some other things that that can be offered are commercial general liability. So this is this is good if you're um, leasing a space. Oftentimes, landlords will require this coverage of you. It basically gives you, you know, what's called slip and fall coverage. So somebody comes to your office, it doesn't necessarily have to be even a client. It could be the mailman. It could be a parent of a client in the waiting room that somehow gets injured. They trip over a rug, they break their leg, um, and they sue you. Um, some people get confused by that because they say, well, doesn't the landlord you know, cover that? The right way to think about that type of coverage is you're not necessarily covering a physical space. You're covering a person at a physical space. So the landlord's general liability insurance protects them if they're sued, 
they're probably not going to have you listed as an insured under their general liability policy. So you want to have your own if you're sued. And typically people will throw as wide of a net as they can. So they'll probably sue the landlord. They'll sue you. They'll sue the maintenance guy, you know, so you have coverage for that. Business personal property coverage. I would say this is a less common need, but we certainly do see it a lot. And this is for, you know, protection for the contents of your office, um, your computer, your fax machine. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention about the general liability that it includes is fire and water legal liability. So this is if you get sued you know, by the landlord, for instance, for causing damage to the property. Um, you have a toaster in your office that causes a fire. You would have coverage for a lawsuit in that scenario. Another kind of hot coverage right now is cyber liability. And this is becoming very prominent in the space and something that we at CPH provide. And this will protect you for breach, a cyber breach of your electronic devices where your client's personal health information may be compromised or, or other information. So it would protect you against a, you know, a claim around that and also provide you assistance with, you know, costs you may incur to notify clients. Um, you know, we just had a claim where, you know, someone had to spend almost two grand in notification expenses where that was covered under her cyber liability because she had that coverage. It'll help you, re you know, cost to uh, restore the security of your devices and determine how it happened, things like that. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. The cyber liability... If I have an electronic health record that is theoretically protecting all of my protected health information, what is the, the need for me to have cyber liability? Again, that just would really determine, I, I think it would, how it happened, why it happened. I guess if you're asking like who would be responsible for that, it could potentially be both parties. I guess the, the more specific question is like, is this similar to like the general liability in an office? Whereas if my mm -hmm. electronic health records breached, could my client sue me as well? Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. And, and I don't know. Me, even, even though it's yeah, not my it's fault, I don't, I, don't have, I don't have ownership of that protective thing. I'm, I've delegated that and paid for it, but my client still may sue me and there might be costs incurred. Is, is that... What am I yes, understanding? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of insurance that third party has. And if they extend that coverage to you, you know, as a subscriber for things like notification expense. One of the questions a lot of people have is they, they start their academic careers in usually a very scary and anxiety Fields law and ethics class that's all just kind of like reduce your liability, reduce your liability. How common are claims against behavioral health professionals in in kind of the the grand scheme of things? In the grand scheme of things, they're fairly low. I would say, 
you know, certainly they happen. Sometimes when they do happen, they can be, they can be extreme, of course. It's something that, you know, you hope is never going to happen. Um, and even something that, you know, people will say, uh, you know, I don't think will ever happen. Generally speaking, it is not like we're getting completely bombarded with claims left and right. I think that especially if you have a good partner, a good liability partner, and they help you to avoid liability by providing resources to you, like avoiding liability, you know, we have a bulletin. If you have a helpline where you can talk to an attorney, being a member of a professional association, I think also helps mitigate those types of situations where they're providing tons of resources to you. And this is especially in compared to like one of my friends from long ago is a surgeon that his malpractice insurance is like sky high compared to sure. what we face in our profession. So yeah, just kind of, we, we tend to, especially when we follow those, those nice tips that we get, uh, Richard Leslie, yeah. like, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, they're wonderful. Uh, yeah. And I use them for teaching a lot of time. We've even talked about a couple of them here on the podcast before. So uh, definitely, definitely a good resource there. What would you say are the best ways that a therapist who's starting out can avoid liability? Obviously, they need to make sure they have liability insurance. But are there things that you would recommend that they put in place to just really kind of start off on the right foot? Like I said, just now, I think that accessing the resources available to therapists is is really important being members of professional associations i can't speak highly enough of that they they provide uceus education they're advocating for the space they have attorneys on staff usually to to consult with i think that that's that's really valuable to have that community you know certainly you know, having a network of colleagues, supervisors, I think having a, like, as you mentioned, some sort of third party, you know, private practice administrator of sorts, I think that that's really important to help people, you know, kind of logistically work through a private practice. And as you said, having liability insurance. <laughs> something it's that the most important one <laughs> certainly certainly want to do yes and you know I can't speak so much to specifics as far as waivers and things like that go but you know we do get those questions if we give samples for things like that we don't there's so much out there that's very state specific so it, whether that's if you can get resources like that from a professional association or even if you you know contact a local attorney just kind of independently and help and them help you draft those types of things um, i think is good too where can people find out about all of the offerings of cph and more about everything that you do yeah you can certainly visit our website cphinsurance.com we have faqs on there there is a contact us page where you can send us your questions and most importantly you can call us we have no phone menus 
a live person answers the phone, um, and we are certainly there to help you 8.30 to 5 Central Time, Monday through Friday, and uh, can answer any questions that you have. And a lot of their resources over at uh, CPH, the some of these blogs and stuff that I mentioned are available whether you're a CPH customer or not. They are, yes. And one of the things that I really appreciate is that it does get into the nitty gritty of the details. I might be one of the only people who really cares about this, but uh, <laughs> but when it does coming to looking at all of the experience of uh, of CPH in, in working in this space of being able to say, here's a lot of things to consider when making some of these decisions for your practice, whether it be advertising yourself, whether it be how you go about documenting record keeping, a lot of the aspects that maybe sit in the distant background of reducing the liability for your practice, those are great resources over on the page over there. Yeah, and you can you can search um, by keywords. They're all organized by topic as well. So that's that's a wonderful resource. And we'll put all of that information on our show notes. I really appreciate what you guys do over at CPH and Associates. I think it's it's something where knowing that I have that at my back and I can, you know, as long as I'm practicing legally and ethically, I will be, yeah. you know, taken care of. I think it's very helpful. And I, I do know that there's a big fear someone has when they're calling you. And it sounds like you guys have, you know, a lot of experience in, in helping people out. Any, any final words or advice for, for our listeners? Last thing that I might want to mention, and this is just kind of unique to the phase of life that we're all in right now with this pandemic, with COVID, is um, you know the number one question that we've gotten since March is, do you cover telehealth? And obviously, we've seen a huge shift in the space to telehealth. And you know, speaking for CPH, I will say that yes, we do cover telehealth. Um, there's nothing special you need to add to your policy. There's no rider or extra money you have to spend. Um, the policy in and of itself will cover you for telehealth services as long as you're providing services legally within the scope of any state's laws. So we recommend contacting, you know, if you have any questions about that, you're not sure. If I live in California, can I provide telehealth services to someone in Wisconsin? Call the board in both states, confirm. As long as you get the green light there, um, the policy covers that. So just pointing out, malpractice insurance is not a get out of jail free card. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> you still have to practice legally. You still have to do it ethically. You have to do all the right things. It's not yeah. just like, you know, the, the Avengers coming in and saving you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Rachel, thank you very much for sharing your time with us today. And we'll, like Katie said, put your contact information over at CPH and Associates in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Rachel Warners. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. 
Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.